Hey everybody, this is Farmer D with the Citizen Farmers Podcast, bringing you inspiration, knowledge, and resources to help you grow healthy food, build thriving communities, and give back to the earth. For the past 25 years, I've been designing and building farms and gardens from backyards to agrihoods, and I'm excited to share my passion and experience for growing food and community with you. Let's dig in. Generosity is giving more than you can, and pride is taking less than you need. Khalil Gibran. This is Farmer D with the Citizen Farmers podcast on Chapter 8, Sharing Equals Generosity. Growing, harvesting, and sharing food are perfect catalysts for cultivating community. I strongly believe that through collective farming and gardening, we can solve some of the greatest economic and social problems of our time, and environmental problems, of course. In the previous chapter, I encourage you to reward yourself for your hard work by gathering friends and family to your table to celebrate the bounty. In this chapter, I want to inspire you to extend that generosity well beyond your immediate circle of friends and family. According to the USDA, the U.S. Department of Agriculture, one in every eight families experiences hunger or the risk of hunger. And that number has, this is from the book I'm reading from the, from the intro, and clearly that number has gone up dramatically with COVID. Ironically, many poor people also suffer from obesity and diet-related diseases such as diabetes and high blood pressure because they live in what we've called food deserts. And there was a great piece actually yesterday on CBS about a great farm called Soul Fire Farm and the amazing work they're doing. And they reference, you know, deserts are something that are, are occur in nature, right, naturally. And so it's not the right term for this. The, their, their perspective is we should be calling it food apartheid, right? It's something that is, is, is human-made and therefore can be, can be changed, can be, can be dismantled, can be re, redesigned. So these food deserts, you know, or this food apartheid, are these places where the access to fresh and healthy food is, is not available. And most of what is accessible is junk food, sugary sodas, you know, big bags of potato chips you know, food that is not food, right? So thankfully, if you grow food, you, you can help, right? So we've seen a huge surge in home and community gardening and small-scale food growing, especially since COVID, but we've seen this happening over the last 10 years. And, you know, a lot of that, that knowledge has been lost across generations. And so, you know, now we're seeing more and more people are sharing their experiences and their knowledge for growing, growing food, whether that's backyard urban farming, or regenerative agriculture. Food banks and food pantries, which used to supply mostly canned goods, are now expanding to accommodate more and more fresh food. Uh, National and regional food bank organizations are connecting gardeners with places to donate within their communities that can handle the challenges of getting fresh food to those who need it most. You know, this has been work I've been involved in for, for a long time, getting food to those who need it most, working in urban ag and food deserts and, and low-income communities. And um, I've just seen with, with COVID, we've seen such a dramatic, you know, explosion of hunger and food, limited food access issues in this country. You know, we see these, you know, this re- incredible demand for, for food for those families who have, are out of work. Really, it's really frightening. And this is, this is a big issue domestically, but it's also a huge issue around the world, right? And the irony of it is that so many communities that used to know how to grow food and 
have deep generational wisdom on how to grow food have been, you know, just in the last few generations have really shifted away from that indigenous wisdom and the passed down knowledge of growing and preparing and sharing food to being more um, commodity crops, you know, uh, growing, you know, a lot of places around the world shifted away from subsistence farming into things like sugarcane and cacao and coffee and all these, you know, these big commodity crops. And they've lost, they've lost their own resiliency. They've lost their own um, independence and food sovereignty. And even in this country, we've seen, you know, a lot of the wisdom around growing food is in the elders that, that grew up with that. And it just hasn't been passed down. And we don't, as a society, do a very good job of growing food where you know where we are. We don't grow food locally. We ship food all over the world, right? And we're just starting to see the vulnerabilities of that come to light around COVID. And it's 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 a real issue. Hunger is a serious issue. And so, you know, not not just hunger, the access to food, but also just the access to real food, to fresh produce, to healthy food. Because you know, what we're seeing in so many poor communities is, you know, eating, you know, food that's not nourishing, food that, you know, maybe gets you through the day, but ends up leading to a lot of other issues down the road, health issues. So, you know, we really need to reimagine and, and redesign the way that our food system works so that it's not just working for the wealthy, but it's really working for everybody because we all pay the price, right? We're all paying the price for um, communities where, uh there's huge health issues, um, huge expenses that are related to um, to these health issues. So what this chapter is really about is about sharing the knowledge, uh, the resources, and the food itself with those who need it most, right? And this is something that I'm really passionate about and just want to just wanna riff a little bit on, you know, I mean, the chapter talks, you know, in the book a bit about you know, this need and ways that you can grow food and share food and uh, especially, you know, sharing the knowledge with children in schools, bringing gardens into faith-based communities, into churches and synagogues, into YMCAs, into, you know, summer camps. So we need to share this knowledge with this next generation. And I was just talking about this the other day with somebody about, you know, with homeschool right now and, you know, so many kids, including, you know, I think about my own three kids, and we've been really debating whether or not to, you know, sign up for these online classes and have our kids sit in front of computers and learn that way versus, you know, we've, we've decided to not enroll in that as much and focus more on, and we're very lucky that we live on a farm, that we can teach our kids some of the skills that, you know, are more grounded in nature and growing food and you know, connecting with the earth as opposed to their computer and their screens. And so, you know, I, I, I believe there's going to be no lack of technology in our kids' lives. There's an abundance. There's an overabundance. There's an oversaturation. I'm actually really excited to watch this new movie that just came out on Netflix this this week. What is it? It's a social dilemma. A lot of people are talking about it. And just, you know, we're so tracked in technology. And it's just we've become these little machines um, tied, addicted to, and, and, and drawn into technology um, as consumers. And I just feel like now more than ever, it's important to teach the next generation the, the basic skills of life, you know, of, 
the earth skills. You know, they're not going to be short of technology skills. There's no doubt my kids will have more than enough time on computers and iPhones and iPads and whatever's coming down the road with, with virtual reality. And I really feel passionate that even more in a time of technology uh, overwhelm and, and a time of climate, let's figure out ways that we can actually come together and share resources, share knowledge, share our homes and communities to those who are climate refugees. This is a time for us to open our arms to each other, not lift our arms and kill each other, right? This is like, it's, it's just if you step back and you look at what's happening and the way that we've been living, you know, and, and our impacts on the environment and our, our social discord, it's just, it's, it's kind of embarrassing as a species to think about how absolutely broken things are. And, and so, so with that, I think there's huge opportunities for fixing something that is clearly needs fixing. You know, so why, why, you know, why gardening, right? Like what's gardening going to do to fix the problem? But I think when you really look at it, the garden is the metaphor for the planet, right? It's like, you know, you, you, you can go biblical on this, right? The Garden of Eden, and you can, you can just look at the metaphors of, of a healthy garden and a healthy planet, and they're, they're intertwined. And so I think if we look at the planet as a garden, and we take the same approach to tending a organic, biodynamic, regenerative garden or farm, and apply that to how we look at how we take care of the planet, you know, even if it's just each of us doing our small part, you know, the additive value of us all coming together around that philosophy and those values of the citizen farmer is very powerful. Obviously, there's there's massive issues to tackle on social equity issues and environmental issues and economic issues. And, and, and honestly, I think that one of the things that um, I feel most passionate about right now and one of the things that I'd like to focus my energy on and, and this podcast even on as, as, we, as we evolve with you and, 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 the, and this platform is reimagining how we design communities, rethinking, you know, here we are, so many of us are, I think, questioning the sustainability of our home and where we live. It's fascinating times. I think between COVID and this kind of um, flocking, this kind of migration out of the cities, and the new reality that we can work virtually, we're much more, I think, um, culturally okay with working from home. And I think a lot of us that have been working from home kind of appreciate the, the quality of life improvement of, you know, not commuting, not traveling as much, being around our family more, having a little bit more flexible schedules. You know, I'm sure we're all burned out on Zoom calls, but, you know, nonetheless, I think there's an, a, an awareness that um, both within, you know, the corporate, you know, structure that, you know, maybe virtual work is okay and, and we, can, we can do this and, and there's some benefits to it. Um, and for sure, for the individual, I think we're seeing that. So, so with, you know, the, the kind of virtual work normality, alongside this desire to kind of get out of the cities a bit. Cities aren't quite what they were, you know, especially right now when you can't go to, you know, cultural events and, and, and be out and socializing as much as, you know, the benefits of the city have diminished dramatically. And the risks of being in the city have gone up a lot as far as the health risks and the quality of life. And so there's a lot of people just from COVID that are now saying, you know, well, Maybe I should be living somewhere a little bit nicer that's a little bit more in nature, you know, you know, a place that's a little bit healthier, um, more resilient. 
um, a place where I can, you know, go out and pick my food and, you know, take a hike in the woods and like, you know, engage with other people, but have it feel safe and connected. And, and, and at the same time, now with these climate crises happening all around us, I think there's also this next level of like, okay, like, where am I, where, where's safe? Where, where can I just get some fresh air? Where am I not worried about the next fire coming and burning down my house or the next hurricane, right? Or the next flood? This is the reality we're in, you know? And so what does that mean? And I think what, what's inspiring me right now is, you know, a couple things. I mean, one, I think digging in to, you know, growing food and, and building community that is more resilient, that is more sustainable, but also flexible, right? I think we're, we're moving into kind of an era of nomadic reality where there are going to be times where you are going to have to up and move, you know, even if it's temporarily get out of a, a hazardous weather situation, right? So how can we create communities of the future that are responsive to the reality that we're in right now? And, and I think we, we, we know that the current, you know, pre-COVID kind of system is not really working and, and it's falling apart at the seams. And I think we have to re, we really have to rethink how we can redesign our communities and our societies to, to be more, to be more resilient, to be more adaptive, to be, um, to be more fluid and flexible. And so I, I'm, I'm imagining and I'm kind of dreaming right now. Uh, you know, my my core work of what I do, you know, is is help design and build these resilient, regenerative communities built around you know working farms. And I just I, I think that we need a lot more of them, and we need them connected so that we can we can move, you know, with each other to where safe ground is, and that there are welcoming communities set up to help support climate refugees. That's the reality I think we have to prepare for. And I think we have to also kind of rethink wh- where we put our values in society and be a lot more generous and share and teach the next generation the skills that they're going to need to navigate this, this pretty, you know, challenging time that we're in. So this is, this is where we are. So how do we get out of it? How do we prepare ourselves to, to, to be able to coexist in an environment that is a lot harsher than what we've um, been really blessed with. It's overwhelming. And it brings out this like humans, this like humanity, right? And I feel like we can kind of kind of curl up in a ball and go hide in a hole, or we can like the generous spirit can come out where we can say, you know, how can we help? How can we contribute? How do we like be a part of the solution? What can I do to help those in need? And I think that's the spirit of what this chapter is really all about. It's about, you know, we, 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 you know, we definitely, you know, want to take care of ourselves and our families, but we also like one of the beautiful things about the garden is when we grow food, we, there's an abundance. You know, I, I was out my, in the garden yesterday. We had a, a Tuesday taco night at a friend's house that we were headed over to and they texted, you know, do you have any tomatoes you could bring over? And I went in the garden and there's just an abundance of tomatoes right now in our garden. You know, we were gone for a few weeks and there's just like, we got to make salsa and sauce this week because there's just, there's so many. And I just, you know, and, and we were able to bring a big bowl overflowing with tomatoes to our friends. And, you know, it's that abundance that the garden represents. It's like, how do we not let that go to waste? How do we share that? And, 
you know, there, there's a whole world right now around this, a whole movement, I guess you could say, of a, a need around getting food that is being wasted, right? There's a there's billions of pounds of produce that go to waste every year, and there are millions of starving people. And so, you know, there's all these great initiatives um, that have emerged, and you really see the, the generosity of spirit emerge when you see some of these wonderful initiatives that are coming out to meet the need of um, getting healthy, fresh food to those who need it most. Um, you know, there's this COVID response, and I've been involved in, in a few, especially here in the Bay Area, where, you know, helping farmers um, get their food to a mar- to market, but, you know, helping farmers sell their food, but then getting that food to those who, who, are, who are basically, you know, food insecure. They don't have, they don't, they, they don't know where their next meal is going to come from. And so, you know, there's some, some wonderful efforts but the need is 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 much greater than than what's out there. So, like you know, I, I would just encourage you, you know, as a listener, as a citizen farmer, you know, grow food, share food, find ways you can volunteer, and and you know whether that's with um, money that you donate or time that you donate, you know, to to go out and and contribute and help some of these efforts, and and look you know look within your own community to see where that need is. And how you can how you can contribute and and be a part of it, and if you're somebody in need, you know, finding those resources, you know, reaching out and and being able to find help right now, uh, you know, and and getting access to good food, to to community, to support during this really difficult time. I think all of us, you know, there's there's a there's a spectrum of struggle that's out there, and. I think all of us right now are experiencing some level of trauma. And, you know, COVID has just been this, you know, traumatic experience for, for a lot of people, for everybody. And, you know, we just we kind of keep layering more trauma on top of it with some of these other challenges that are happening in the economy and, and, um, and you know, these environmental crises that we're experiencing, like the fires and the hurricanes you know, we're going into winter. It's a dark time. Um, who knows what you know what what winter's going to bring? I mean, if this year's been you know one of you know one of those years that you know I, I don't I, I don't count anything out at this point. You know, I think this is where community is so important. You know, and it's it's been ironic because COVID has really made it hard for us to be in community and be with our families, um, and so it's 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 isolating. And so you know, I, I really feel like. You know, if we can kind of cultivate our own kind of care for ourselves in the garden, it's just it's one of those things that can just help restore some sense of hope, some relationship to something bigger than us that is nourishing. Um, so the garden can be a really beautiful place of refuge. It's also, a, you know, a, a safe social distancing venue for people to come together in a garden and and a farm and grow food together and, you know, still be safe. And so, you know, it's, it's, I I think there's some real opportunities for us right now as people who care about the environment, people who care about, you know, social justice, people who, who care about others um, to step up and to find ways to contribute, find ways to be generous, find ways to share what you have to offer. And that's the invitation in this chapter, dig deep, um, you know, find the strength in yourself, uh, find the strength in your garden, find the strength in your community 
to, you know, align with other people, other organizations, with your with your local government, you know, to to help provide food, knowledge, and other resources that you can contribute to help us kind of get on a track that's moving towards some sense of a more sustainable future for ourselves and our communities. So, I mean, obviously we need a vote, right? So I'm not taking a political stance here, but voting is critical in this next election. Look at your local, you know, your local elections, our national election. I think it's really important for us as a, as a country to really step up and, you know, find ways that we can start to move this country and move this world in a direction that acknowledges climate change is real, that we need to start to invest in resiliency and we need to redesign our economy to be more of a circular economy, more of an economy for the people and for the planet. And, you know, this is an important time. This is a really important time to be active, to be activated and to be vocal and to, to share in whatever modality feels good for you. You know, I'm, I'm not a big social media person. I'm actually become very disenchanted. But there's also an aspect right now that I think is positive in the sense that we need to raise awareness. We need to activate people. We need to inspire people to get to, that there is, there is hope. There are things we can do. And so, you know, there is, there is the, the power of social media, you know, whether that's, you know, podcasts like this or, you know, posts or blogs or, you know, videos on Instagram, whatever it is, I do think like put out positive messages that can inspire people to do something, to take some action and join you in your efforts. If you're a citizen farmer doing important work, this is a good time to be out there inviting others to join you in this important work. So I'm going to, I'm going to finish this with, um, with another quote um, out of the book, which is in the sharing chapter and shift the gears just a little bit. And it's a Michael Pollan quote from uh, In Defense of Food, his book, uh, An Eater's Manifesto. The shared meal elevates eating from a mechanical process of fueling the body to a ritual of family and community, from the mere animal biology to an act of culture. I want to share, I want to finish on a positive note, I guess, in, the, in that, you know, I think for us, even last night, our little Taco Tuesday night, bringing some tomatoes over from the garden and spending time with friends, you know, that time together was really valuable for us as like refueling, not just our bodies eating healthy, yummy tacos, but refueling our, our spirits and our souls and spending time with loved ones and and dreaming together and, and, and grieving together what's happening and envisioning a future together with friends and family. And so, you know, I just, I, I, I want to encourage you to share a meal with people around you as a way to nourish yourself on many levels and to start to have a conversation about these things. Our small acts can have big impacts. And I think that, you know, together, you know, we can cultivate our way to a, a more resilient, connected world. And I think we just need to stick together. You know, we need to come together and find ways to build community the kinds of community that we want to see in the future. I invite you to reach out to us, you know, on social or however you'd like to Citizen Farmers and tell us, you know, a little bit about how you're 
imagining the future for yourself, what you're looking for, what kind of a community, what can you share, what do you see being an important thing that you can share to help contribute. And let's, let's, let's come together, let's work together to figure this out and inspire more and more people to join the effort and blaze our way into a really bright, positive future where people come together in a spirit of generosity to share their love and their, their resources to help all of us create a better world. Thanks for listening to this episode, and I look forward to um, our final episode for this series, Sustaining Equals Perseverance, Chapter 9, coming soon. Join the Citizen Farmers community. Follow us on Instagram and Facebook. For more information, check out today's show notes. Special thanks to our pilot sponsor, Netafin, the company that first brought drip irrigation to the world over 50 years ago. This podcast was co-produced and recorded by Ben Bernstein. Our audio editor is Stephanie Lamond. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Citizen Farmers Podcast with Farmer D. Until next time, enjoy your time in the garden.